In this episode of What the Bump, Samantha is coming on the podcast to share her birth story. Samantha had placenta previa, which actually turned into a vasa previa and ended up having a C-section at 36 weeks and four days. Samantha shares that entire journey with us, especially what it was like mentally. And then she also goes into postpartum, how she struggled with some postpartum depression from just having such a high-risk pregnancy and birth. So let's listen to Samantha's story. Hello and welcome to What The Bump. My name is Jennifer. I am a labor and delivery nurse and a certified labor doula. This podcast is created to inform and empower every woman on all of their options surrounding their pregnancy. Join me here every Monday at 9 a.m. as we dive into all things prenatal, birth, postpartum, and so much more. So let's jump into today's Welcome to another episode of What The Bump. Today, Samantha is coming on to share her birth story. So thank you for being here, Samantha. Thank you for having me. So starting off, tell me a little bit about yourself and your family. Um, I have uh, two boys, a seven-year-old and a almost seven-month-old. I am engaged to um, my best friend. We have a golden doodle. Um, We live in Massachusetts. Um, And right now I'm still taking a pretty elongated maternity leave, but I am normally a pediatric nurse at a um, uh, pediatrician's office. Okay. Gotcha. That's nice. An elongated maternity leave, especially with COVID and being in the medical field. (laughs) Oh yeah, definitely. Nice to be able to stay at home a little bit longer. That's awesome. So you, you said you have a seven-year-old, right? Yes. Okay. So give me like a quick recap of what your seven-year-old's birth was like before we kind of go into your, your, your newest one. Very different. Um, it was so easy. I had the easiest pregnancy. Um, basically I think I might've thrown up like once the entire nine months. Um, like I said, so easy, no symptoms really just kind of grew a little baby. Um, uh, my labor started the morning of his due date actually. Um, but my contractions weren't really close enough together to really like do anything about it. Um, and my water hadn't broken. So I'd kind of was just like, Oh, we're just, we're going with it. So, uh, we went out to lunch, uh, did the whole pineapple bounced on the exercise ball. Um, and then by that night, actually my contractions were close enough together where I called my doctor and he was like, yep, you can go in. So, uh, we headed in. And I was only three centimeters dilated. They wouldn't give me my own room until I was four centimeters dilated. So I walked around the halls for an hour. And every time I had a contraction, they told me to do like the SpongeBob um, around town thing to kind of like tunnel his head down more. Um, So I did and it worked after an hour. I was four centimeters, got my own room. Uh, They had to break my water. And then the anesthesiologist um, did my epidural and it felt like, seconds after they were like oh time to push um so 7 30 in the morning the day after his due date we started pushing uh 10 minutes and four pushes and Casey was born at 7 40 in the morning (laughs) uh August 23rd 2014 so yeah so pretty pretty easy um from start to finish it sounds like (laughs) so easy so easy okay and that was Casey and what's your um second son's name uh, my second son's name is Jax, J-A-X. Jax. Okay. So tell me about finding out you were pregnant with Jax. Um, me and my fiance were actually trying to get pregnant with Jax. We decided to start trying in the fall. 
so we started in October and then we ended up getting our positive pregnancy test on September 30th. I was super, super early too, like three weeks, four days early. So um, we knew very quickly. Yes. Yeah. It's always like a blessing and a curse. And you find out that early. Cause then I feel like your pregnancy feels so long. Yes. Yep. That's like the, exactly. the hardest part, but you know, especially when you're trying, you know, like the soonest day you could even possibly test and maybe kind of get a really faint. Oh yeah, positive. exactly. And my boobs started hurting and I was like, um, yeah, I'm going to take a test and it was positive. And I was like, all right, awesome. There we go. And I had every single symptom that was associated with every week that was listed, like everything that it said I had. And I was like, wow, this is so different than my first pregnancy. Right. I'm having a girl. Oh yeah. Right. Especially because it was so different. So oh, yeah, yeah. Take, take me through your pregnancy. Um, you know, what was that like? Did you have any major like bumps in the road? How was your pregnancy? It was definitely, uh, real bumpy. Um, as far as like symptoms, I had every single symptom. Like I said, every week there was uh, the throwing up, the nausea, the belly pains, the everything, you name it. I had it all. Then fast forward to my 20 week, um, anatomy scan. I went in and because of COVID I went in alone. So, um, I'm sitting there doing my ultrasound. They're doing all the measurements, whatnot. And then, um, they have the MFM come in, talk to me and they tell me that I have placenta previa, which I had learned about a little bit in school, but not like too, too much to the extent of it. And I obviously knew it wasn't good. And I just was bawling my eyes out. Like I was so upset. They were like, it's okay. It's okay. They told me, um, like a plan of action of what we were going to do, um, as far as like C-section by 37 weeks to avoid anything. Um, the placenta could move. They talked about risks of, um, bleeding and fetal growth restrictions and then stillbirth. Um, and then they kind of sent me on with, um, follow up in eight weeks and we'll see if your placenta has moved, um, in a more, um, like okay, in a better spot, yeah. Will or you explain? If it's gotten like worse. Will you explain kind of what placenta previa is for maybe people who don't know? Um, so from what I know about placenta previa is the placenta. Well, in my case, my placenta was like curved like a C right over my cervix, so it was like curled right over it, covering where baby was. I mean, essentially supposed to come out. So if it didn't move there was no way for baby to come out, but they said that it could move um, because as the belly grows, the placenta could kind of like go further up and then kind of clear uh, the cervix and then be able to have like a natural labor, natural birth and all that. Um, But in my case, it did not. And the C kind of just like, almost like curled around it. and then turned into at my 28 week um, checkup ultrasound, it was then diagnosed as vasoprevia. So from then, there was no um, option of natural anything. It was just automatic. You will be having a C-section. It will be earlier than probably what you want. (laughs) But obviously, you can't have anything um, natural with that. So it was just not an option. Yeah. So like you said, placenta previa is exactly what you said. It's when the placenta covers the cervix. So obviously a baby can't come out if the placenta is there. Right. And then vasoprevia is where like the veins and arteries then that are on the placenta 
cover the cervix also, which kind of makes it even more dangerous. Right. (laughs) I was told in, um, in my ultrasound at that case, that if basically now that the, um, vessels were in the way, if baby were to go down contract or anything like that, then it could basically like cut off his air supply. It wasn't really, they were worried about me in that case anymore. They were worried more of the baby. Right. Right. So, so obviously that was, I'm sure very stressful to just like think about and to, especially, you know, when they talk to you about the risk of stillbirth and, and if he, if you contract a little bit, I'm sure that kept you kind of on edge your whole pregnancy. Oh, absolutely. I definitely fell into like a pretty deep depression after uh, my 28 week ultrasound when they told me about that. Um, Just because we didn't know what was going to happen. Like any second, something could have happened. They told me if I started bleeding, I had to go right to the emergency room. Um, I was on pelvic rest right from my 20 weeks. So wasn't really able to do anything. Um, They even told me right in the ultrasound room that there was going to be a team in the operating room to perform a hysterectomy. If needed, they were just going to have them there waiting in case any more problems with my placenta like happened during the C-section, which I was like, oh, this is is great. Yeah, not exactly (laughs) what you're planning for. No. So anything else kind of come up throughout the rest of your pregnancy? I'm sure that was probably enough to deal with. (laughs) I mean, honestly, besides that, I stayed asymptomatic. I didn't have any bleeds. Um, thank God, uh, because they did also talk about an early admittance to the hospital. Mm -hmm. Uh, I guess a lot of people that have vasoprevia are admitted within like their 32nd week and they're monitored daily in the hospital. I was so worried about that because I have a seven-year-old and I'm like, I can't go to the hospital and be there for weeks because I have a seven-year-old. Like, especially with COVID. It's amazing, but yeah, it's, he can't do that on his own plus working. I'm like, no, this can't happen. So there was that stress plus the diagnosis stress then just stress of like, we don't know what's going to happen. Like any day we could wake up and he's just not moving. And then, you know what I mean? Like you have no clue anything. So it was, yeah, it was not, not ideal. Right. Definitely, definitely definitely a lot to handle mentally and emotionally. Oh, for sure. So obviously going into your birth, um, you know, I'm sure you, you weren't really able to, to necessarily create like a big birth plan or have many birth birth preferences because, you know, like in the, in the nature of birth, you know, it's out of your control. That baby is in control. And right. this is a perfect example of that. Cause, um, no matter what you wanted, you had one option truly. Exactly. Yeah. The so only did thing you- that I was able to plan for was just by reading a lot of blogs and asking friends that I knew had had C-sections right. of their experience to kind of like prepare myself for what was going to happen right. <laughs> or some kind of idea. So um, I'm a wicked planner. So I not knowing what was going to be like the healing process, because with my first son, I was all vaginal. I had the whole labor, everything. So now everything being scheduled down to like literally like everything I was like what's going to happen what happens next how long until I feel a little normal again how long does this last how long does that last it was like so asking people and reading blogs like helped a lot a lot a lot so that was 
pretty amazing. But so other you, than that, no planning. <laughs> right. Yeah. So your your like birth prep was more so postpartum prep in a way. Yes, pretty much. Yeah. But finding out what was going to happen after my surgery. Like I was, I knew that surgery was going to be wild, but I was like, okay, now how do I prepare for after so that I know then my next step. So I'm not just like, oh my God, what just happened? Now what? Now right. I can know what to do. Holy crap, that just happened. But this is what I'm going to do to like aid and helping myself. So right. yes, because a newborn and a seven-year-old is a lot. And then obviously to have a major, major surgery on top of that, any prep that you can do to make your life, you know, a little bit easier, um, is definitely worth it in that postpartum definitely. period. Yeah. All right. So tell me then kind of like about your C-section experience as that date kind of approached and then, um, what that day really looked like for you. Um, so we got our C-section date, I believe it was on May 3rd. We had our first um, appointment with um, a new doctor. They transferred my care from Massachusetts to Rhode Island to like a higher risk team. Um, and my first appointment on May 3rd with him, I had a whole list of questions and we went over all of them. Um, and then he was like, let's pick a date. Um, he booked my uh, steroid shots for the corticosteroids to help develop baby's lungs because we knew he was coming early and we were really trying to avoid um, any NICU time, which we did, thank goodness. Um, but so we picked his, uh, his, his uh, birthday, May 19th, which was crazy. I had um, a list in my phone, like a note of all like the possible due dates I wanted to pick. We had gone through like our friend's birthdays on Facebook and That's we were so like, funny. no, we're not going to match this, that, that, that. So <laughs> we ended up, the last date that we had on the list was ended up being the date that we picked, um, which was pretty crazy to like pick it and like count down to it. Um, we had a countdown on the calendar going. So every morning my seven-year-old would run up and change it. He was so excited waiting which was also so cool to just like see that his excitement was like coming down to like days. And, um, but then let's see, I had my steroid shots on May 13th and 14th, um, the week before. And then I had all my blood work done a couple of days beforehand. And then, um, he was born on May 19th. I was 36 weeks and four days, which, um, I, they told me I could have gone to 37 weeks, but I had told the doctor because this isn't my first pregnancy. I don't want my body to like naturally start doing something. And then I'm in an emergent situation where I'm not close to the hospital. Uh, Cause we lived about 45 minutes away. So that wasn't really, that would have been probably just a really bad situation. So I'm really glad that I was like, no, I would like to book this earlier than 37 weeks. Um, but the morning of my C-section, my fiance and I cleaned the house. We mowed the lawn. We vacuumed like so random to like prepare for a C-section. But I think we were just in like last minute, like nesting mode to get everything done. Um, but we got to the hospital. I was scheduled for a 1.30 C-section. Uh, we got there at 12 and because of COVID, we had to be like separated. Um, my fiance was down in the waiting room and I had to go upstairs, check myself in to the triage area. So I went up there and I'm waiting and waiting and waiting. And there was a couple emergency C-sections that ended up having to go in before us. So our 1.30 C-section turned into like a five o'clock C-section. So I hadn't eaten since the morning before or the night before because um, of 
they were like, no eating, no drinking, surgery, whatnot. So I'm like, okay. So I'm in my triage bay and I'm like starting to get a migraine. I'm so hungry. I'm so thirsty. I start getting sick. They start, um, they're all coming in. They're like, are you okay? I'm like, I just don't feel good. I have a headache. I'm hungry. <laughs> they, um, they gave me some medicine, which helped. And then um, I feel like it was like 10 minutes later, they came back and were like, all right, it's your turn. Let's go. And I instantly started to have a really, really, really bad panic attack because I've never had a surgery this big before. I got my tonsils out. I was like six. I don't remember anything. <laughs> so they were like, all right, it's your turn. I was like, holy crap. Um, and I told them I'm having a really bad <laughs> panic attack. I have bad anxiety right now. And they gave me... Um, a medicine through my um, through my IV that helped, but it was pretty crazy because then during my surgery, I was kind of like in and out mm-hmm. of of it because I I think because of the medicine. Obviously, they gave it to me to help, but then it eventually made me super sleepy. So they're like, "Stay with us, Samantha. Stay with us. We're almost done." My fiance's looking like, "Stay with us. What's going? What's happening?" <laughs> yeah, I'm like thinking you're like dying. <laughs> what is going on? Exactly, because they made it seem like a little morbid. So he's like, "Wait, wait, wait. What's happening?" Oh. Um, baby out, and they're like, um, they they bring him over to like the warmer and everything. Um, and and while this is going on, that's when they're saying, "Stay with us," and they're like oh, come see the baby. And he's like, I'm sorry, I don't mean to be that dad, but can I go back to my fiance? I just want to make sure she's okay. <laughs> so he's over with me and there with the baby. Um, he ended up having to be put on the CPAP machine. He had uh, a couple minutes of apnea um, um, for, I think it was like the first like couple, of, yeah, like I said, couple of minutes. Um, but we were able to avoid the NICU, which was like, very very exciting because that was we were really nervous about that um like I said we didn't live anywhere near the hospital so thinking about going back and forth to the NICU was just not not another great thought to have obviously after everything else (laughs) so he came out and you said a couple minutes he just needed some oxygen support um and how how are you feeling like do you were you were you still really in and out even after he was born or yes yeah I was still super in and out I don't even I didn't even realize that he had stopped breathing um while we were in there just because they were so like quick at at assessing him and everything and my fiance was right at my head so it wasn't like I was left alone at any point where I kind of was like had the chance to be like what's going on so I think it just kind of like passed by so quickly um but when I look back on my photos on my phone and I look at the timestamps, it's really crazy. He was born at 518. And the first picture I have with him next to me is at like 545, which is so wild that like that time span. And then I think about like his apnea and everything where they had him over there. And I'm like, okay, that makes sense. But it seems like it didn't seem like there was that like much of time in between where they took him out and then where he was next to my face. So pretty crazy. Yes. And how, how was then like the rest of your hospital stay in that experience? Um, the rest of the hospital stay was amazing. Um, I delivered at women and infants in Rhode Island and my team was phenomenal. I would go back there and have 30 other babies if I had to, they were so amazing. Um, we ended up being there for three days. We had some issues with Jax's um, bilirubin levels. So they had to keep checking them. 
And then even after we were discharged from the hospital, we had to get them checked a couple more times. Um, but yeah, the care there was absolutely amazing. Um, yeah, I really highly recommend. <laughs> yes. And tell me then, how was your postpartum experience then, you know, after the hospital? I know it's very different when all that help kind of goes away all of a sudden. Um, how is postpartum once you got home? How is healing? Obviously very different from your first, I'm sure. Very different from my first, but uh, surprisingly a little bit easier because reading everything that I had read kind of like prepped me for like week one, week two, this is how it'll feel. And this is like, you'll get this burst of energy at this week. And everything that I read, my healing was pretty like spot on with everything. So that was helpful. Um, my fiance basically did everything at home, was like making me breakfast every morning. So I didn't have to do anything. He was changing all the diapers, doing everything for my seven-year-old. So really I could focus on healing, which was amazing. Um, and then breastfeeding, I'm nursing uh, the baby. So being able to focus on myself and then just feed him and then be able to like relax was super nice. Um, but my postpartum is bad. Um, it's, it definitely um, showed up a little later than I think a lot of people expect postpartum depression to show up. Um, I had a regular doctor's appointment, just like a regular physical um, in the fall. And she had told me actually that it peaks at about four months. And that's exactly when mine had peaked. Um, and I think that it's gotten definitely better, but it's, I don't think that postpartum depression or even postpartum anxiety are talked about enough for anybody really. So, yeah, I, I totally agree. And, um, it's definitely something that like, I think is becoming less of like a taboo topic, um, which is great, right. but it still is definitely something that, um, I feel like, you know, like you said, like your doctor told you it peaks at four months. Well, people, most people are like, you had your baby four months ago. Like you should be fine right. now. You should be exactly. like in the group now you should be healed. Breastfeeding should be coming very easy, you exactly. know? Um, so I think that is like a huge wrench that's thrown in that makes people not understand too. Exactly. They kind of like shrug it off as, oh, maybe you're just tired. Well, no, this is something more, a little deeper than just being tired. It's just four months of being tired, but it's just catching up to you at once. And then you just don't really know how to deal with it. So right. yeah, it's definitely not as taboo as it was, but it still, still needs a little bit more yeah. like yeah. recognition for a lot of people to be fully like understanding of how severe right. it, it actually can be for people. And what were like the, if you don't mind sharing, like the symptoms that you kind of noticed, um, and then how did you even like, rec like, did you recognize it or, you know, was it your doctor? Oh, I definitely recognized it. I have, um, I've struggled with, um, depression and anxiety before I was pregnant. Okay. So after I had Jax, I kind of was like, oh, maybe this is just a little like lingering from before. But then as the month started to go and it started to peak at that four months, I was super irritable, like the mood swings. I would find myself just crying mm. just for like no reason. My fiance would be like, what is the matter? And I'm like, I don't know. Like there were days that I was crying more than the baby was crying, but there was just no reason for it. And I couldn't, and it was almost upsetting to me that there was no reason for it because I obviously don't want to be crying more than the, the baby is crying. I don't want my fiance to think that there's like something like wrong with him or like with us because I'm just crying on the couch but there really was like no reason it was just like 
I just had to cry. Like mm-hmm. it just was like a feeling. I couldn't stop it. <laughs> right. Right. Yes. And what were things that you kind of did to, to help with that? I mean, I'm still on like maternity leave. So I just right. kind of like hang out. I mean, we, we do as much as we can together, like throughout the day, he works nights. So we spend a lot of time together during the day, which helps getting out of the house. Um, I like to do crafts. So crafting is like a huge hobby. So that is a huge help with my anxiety. Also, it takes my mind away from everything. It's mm-hmm. kind of like something else to do besides being a mom, I guess. Right. I mean, not that that's a bad thing, but people need a break. I mean, yeah, it can definitely <laughs> be <time>. like <laughs> an overwhelming. And I think that's like a lot of triggers of like postpartum depression and anxiety. Um, it's just like overwhelming. Like, yeah. I mean, my daughter is almost three months old. Um, and I wouldn't say I've experienced like postpartum depression, but there are definitely days where like, it's just, it's, it's overwhelming truly like to have a child that's 100% dependent on you and to, you kind of lose your own identity. Like I am not doing anything that I did prenatally that I enjoyed, you know, um, like as far as hobbies, it's kind of hard to like still have them when you feel like so much of your time is just exactly. And it's just like like taking a shower. Yeah. (laughs) I'm like, I need to shower now because I don't know when the next time I'll get to shower is like hours could go by and I'm like, Oh my God, I haven't showered today yet. So if I don't get to shower, like right in the morning, I can kind of be a brat, but it's like the one thing I have to do that like resets me. Cause if not, I just feel like a slob, like in my pajamas all day. Mm -hmm. Like like I need to just like wash my hair or something. I know. And even when you get a break, like, let's say, you know, you have um, somebody come and watch the baby, whether it's a grandparent or a sibling or a babysitter or something for you and, you know, your partner to go maybe get like a date night or a, a date lunch. Yep. It's still a, such a mental, I don't want to say it's a burden because like, it's the greatest thing ever, but it still is right. takes like a mental toll on you. Like, even if you're away and you have a sitter mentally, like it still is a lot. You're always wondering, like, I wonder if the, how the baby's being, I wonder if they're crying, I wonder if yeah. they're sleeping, I wonder how, if everything's going, like, if it's like nonstop worrying, but right. more or less like, you just, just care. Like caring, I yes, guess. exactly. Yeah. So but it's like, you can't really fully relax when you're away, because you're constantly just like, what's going on? What's going on? What's going right. on? <laughs> yeah. And, and, I'm I'm sure, what's happening. and I'm sure taking an extended maternity leave, like has, you know, helped a lot that is definitely, um, I'm going back to work just like PRN, like as needed. And I, I like hats off to all the moms who have a baby and go back after eight to 12 weeks, because I don't know how you do it. Like I, I truly could not imagine. Um, I have doula clients, but that's kind of like way different than working a full-time job at the hospital. Okay. Um, but I don't, I mean, like, like I said, like I give anybody who works full-time after 12 weeks after having a baby so much credit, because I always thought like, Oh, "Oh, by 12, by 12 weeks, like you're going to be, you know, have a system, have a schedule, like you're going to be good. Um, I don't know about anybody else, but I'm at 12 weeks and we have no schedule, no system. It's still mass chaos at all moments. (laughs) No. Yeah. Um, Nothing, nothing here. (laughs) And I thought like, Oh, by 12 weeks, I'm going to be so ready to go back to work full time. Adeline will be sleeping great. Like, uh, no, I put her down for a nap right before we jumped on this call and she was up in four minutes. I was like, Uh. She took a four minute nap. That's great. That's <laughs> yeah. I put Jack to sleep before we got on. And then I, I heard him like 15 minutes ago whining. I was like, good thing my fiance is here. You can grab him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just, yeah. I remember like my lowest, one of my low, I don't want to say like the lowest lows, but, um, nothing is TMI on this podcast. I always say, but I had to go to the bathroom so bad. And I was like, 
like I was home alone with her and she was just like having a really hard day. And I'm like, how am I supposed to do this? Like I have to go poop and my child is literally, literally. And I'm like, I can't just leave her there screaming because then I'll like just be anxious the whole time. So I baby wore her, walked around the house for like a few minutes to get her to like calm down, go to sleep a little bit. And then I went to the bathroom while baby wearing my child. Like, I can't not say I have done that before. Yeah, I was like, this is, this might be one of my lowest points ever. My poor child, like, but it's like a skill level unlocked, though. Yeah, I'm like, I like can multitask can like, like no yes. other now. Yeah, <laughs> I can baby wear and go to the bathroom. What can you do? <laughs> yeah, I. But I was like, wow, this is um, this is like a great depiction of what it's like to be a mother. Yes, this is motherhood, actually. <laughs> and and thankfully, like, I mean, in the moment, I was like frustrated and annoyed, and um, but you know, I think that that's something also that like really helps when you're struggling because we all struggle postpartum like you know having a community is so important because you have to be able to like laugh about these things with other people who get it um because you just you have to find the humor in it I mean (laughs) oh lord it's just it's it's rough at times you know it definitely is rough at times I've definitely been in your shoes and I will say that I am guilty of putting down a screaming baby because I have to go to the bathroom. I just have to. Yes. And he's honestly too big at the point to baby wear him. Right. So Seven months. In yeah. my defense, he's massive. Yeah. <laughs> he's a big six and a half month old. So yeah. Yeah. I can relate. My daughter's two and a half and she's um 14 pounds. So <gasps> stop. Yeah. Good. She's a good girl. She, yeah, she, um, I actually was literally looking at this picture of the Michelin man. If anybody's listening, go Google real quick, a picture of the Michelin man. Um, and that's like what I say that she looks like it. That's the Michelin amazing. man has like all those rolls on him. It's really funny. Um, anyways, <laughs> back on track. Um, okay. So postpartum, um, you said the physical healing was, you know, not too bad. Cause you did a lot of prep. Um, what would you say was like the biggest thing that helped you physically as far as healing from your C-section? Um, having my fiance basically do everything kind of gave me the option to like move slower around the house and him like cleaning kind of like helped me not clean. They did tell me in the hospital, they're like, you're going to get bursts of energy, ignore them because Mm -hmm. then you're just going to be really sore after. And there was times that those bursts of energy would come and I would use them to my advantage because I'm a wicked clean freak. And then like, a half hour later, I'd be like, oh no, this, that was not a good idea. And right. I would just be on the couch. Like I need the heating pad. And then just kind of was like, not, not like a enjoyable, like relaxation at that point. Whereas like, had I not used the energy burst, I could have like just moved like I should have been and then sat on the couch and like, kind of like healed instead of like healed and been sore. Right. <laughs> but um, the help is definitely definitely the biggest thing that helped me heal honestly was right. was him really yeah that's good and you definitely can feel when you overdo it postpartum too like you just you get so 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 sore um yeah and it's great because I'm the same way like I just love everything to be clean so even like I tell people you know you can put on your um baby registry like a spot for people to give like a cash gift where you can like hire a cleaning service to come once a week for the first like six weeks postpartum. That's always like nice and helpful. That way, you know, it takes a burden off of both you and your fiance because the house being clean is like something that is my top priority. Um, so postpartum, if it's not like, thankfully we had, you know, my mother-in-law, my, my, um, 
dad and stepmom, my sister, they all kind of came down and visited different weeks. So yep. they were able to like do those things for me. Um, oh, yeah. but I do always say like, that's a great thing. If you're a neat freak, um, to hire just like a cleaning service to come once a week. Such a good idea. That's a and, really good gift. And idea. people normally like will totally, you know, gift just towards that. If you put it onto your registry, so right. that's always something it's very smart. All right. So, um, last question here, what would be like your top bit of advice you would have for a new mom? Um, top bit of advice. Um, I would definitely say to take the help when it's offered. Um, even if you think that you might not want it, or you're sitting there on the couch, like, Oh, I really don't feel like it. I don't want to entertain. They don't want you to entertain them. They really want to go over and just help. Like, I wish that I had taken up a couple of friends that had said like, Oh, whenever you want me to come over, I wish that I had been like, come over now, come over tomorrow. And then come over the day after that also, because they would have, I know they would have. And it wasn't even just for them to come over necessarily to like hold the baby, which I mean, I was, I mean, with any new mom that you're such a baby hog, like you don't want anybody else touching the baby. When they touch the baby, you're like, they're like, are you ready to give them back? Like, it's just a new mom thing. So the people that like want to come over and help like bring you food or come clean for you. Like, even if it's not a cleaning service, like some friend wants to come over and be like, Hey, let me run the vacuum, come over and run the vacuum twice. Like come over and do it <laughs> today and tomorrow. Like I said, like do the dishes while you're here, clean the bathroom, like the whole nine, because when you turn the corner and you see something and you're like, Oh, dang. And just an hour ago, I told them, no, thank you. Like right. you you'll regret it. So the help is definitely definitely a huge thing and not even just help um company if somebody just wants to come over for company you would be really surprised at how refreshing having somebody else there the conversation is different it's like it just feels easier sometimes when people come over to hang out um because you almost like put on this like badass demeanor like I know what I'm doing so come over and check me out in my prime and then they leave and you're like oh yes they're gone but it was nice while they were there so right definitely um help when it's offered and don't forget the batteries and baby toys all need batteries oh yes that's good <laughs> I was like what is what are you talking about don't forget the batteries batteries, batteries for everything the vibrating seats the all the, I feel like they need like d batteries or like those are like ridiculous sizes that you don't have on hand so stock up on like d's and c's I think <laughs> I have no idea, truly <laughs> just stock up on some batteries. Yes. Yeah. I, I definitely agree. Like I had a lot of people be like, you know, if you just need me to come over and hold her so you can take a nap and I'd be like, no, no, you know, I could do this on my own. I'm not going to have, um, these people come over and looking back, I'm like, cause I offer, I always think like, I don't want to be a burden to them. Like they're not actually sincerely offering. It's just like right. a common thing to say like, Oh, Hey, you yeah. just had a baby. If you need help, let me know. But like, I say that to people and I genuinely like want them to take me up on it. So I'm like, right. Well, maybe those people who offered actually did genuinely exactly. want me to take yeah. them up on it. And I wish I would have, because, yeah. um, nobody's offering me anymore at, you know, <laughs> three months postpartum. Um, and sometimes I'm like, dang, I wish, um, I could go, I might go back and be like, Hey, remember that time yeah. three months ago when you offered to come hold my baby? Can I like cash that in now? <laughs> Is this a coupon I can use whenever? Yeah. Does it I expire? <laughs> um, yeah. So definitely, definitely like just take people up on that because honestly, you know, it's, it's easy to be like, Oh, they don't, they're just like saying it. But I think the offer is truly sincere when people offer oh, yeah. that to a new mom, especially most of the time people offering that are, are moms. So they know 
yeah. you know, what it's yeah. like. And they're highly capable to hold a baby for two hours while you sleep. Um, right. So yeah. Or, or clean your house, whatever it may be. It's definitely, yeah. definitely take them up on it. <laughs> Well, Samantha, thank you for coming on the podcast and, and sharing your birth story. Um, it was great to hear and just get to know a little bit about you. Thank you so much for having me. I had a great time. <laughs> thank you for listening to another episode of What The Bump. Make sure to follow us over on Instagram at WhatTheBumpCLT. Check out our website, WhatTheBumpCLT.com. Make sure to leave a review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or whatever platform you are listening on. And tune in every Monday at 9 a.m. for a new episode. Remember that this podcast is for educational purposes only. I will see you next week in the next episode.